the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called, say it, the sons of God. So not only are we loved, but we're also called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not, etc. But I just want to keep it right there. And then it goes to verse 2. Beloved, when? Now are we the sons of God. I'd like to read that to you in the voice. We don't have that translation, but there is the verse and then there's commentary that is a part of the voice that I'd like to bring about as we prepare to receive the word today. Consider the kind of extravagant love the Father has lavished on us. He calls us children of God. It's true. We are His beloved children. And in the same way the world didn't recognize Him, the world doesn't recognize us either. My loved ones, verse 2, we have been adopted into God's family and we are officially His children now. You are officially through 14, King James Version. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth. Pastor Tom, you did not just say that. I did. <laughs> More importantly, he did. Are you kidding me? For whom the Lord loveth, oh, he loves me, oh, he loves me. Whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth. Now listen to this. Even as a father, the son in whom he delighteth, happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding, for the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver, and the gain thereof than fine gold. Now, lest I completely lose you in the first five minutes of this message, let me encourage you that when we're talking about chasten and several other choice words like correction and admonish and reproof, it doesn't mean anything, anything of what we think, of what we thought. I just assure you. You could find a definition of chasten, which would be to subdue, to humble, to cow, to squash. Can you imagine God loves us so much? He delights in me so much. He wants to squash me. Some people think that. Deflate. To abase you. Informally, to flatten you, to take you down a peg or two. To put somebody in their place. To cut you down to size. Does, you know, something doesn't feel right about that. How many, how many something, am I the only one? Something doesn't feel right about that. I mean, why? Whom the Lord loves. Oh, I love you, Lord. Good, let me flatten you. Just something doesn't, it, something's wrong there. It just doesn't match. I'm going to take you, Donald. That, that, I don't know. Doesn't add up. So before, we're going to go into this word a little bit. But before we do, I want to tell you how important words are. There is a PowerPoint presentation. I finally have arrived, Pastor Nancy. I made a PowerPoint presentation. Thank you very much. I made a PowerPoint presentation to share with our congregation this morning during my said message. And I want you up there to put up the first word of the PowerPoint presentation. 
And it's going to be up there in a moment. There's about eight slides. It's nothing big, but to me it's big. And while, we put the, while she puts the words up there, there's a PowerPoint. It should be up there. It, notice what the Bible says about chasing. Blessed is the man whom thou chastenest. Uh, it, and it goes on to that, that that's really funny like oh, blessed like you've got to be kidding me right what do you mean blessed well, we'll find out that it doesn't really mean at all like squash and all that it really means more like to instruct let's see do you have the, there's a powerpoint up there oh she's, she's, she's making phone calls we don't have it it was up there it was, I loaded it in, but we're having problems with the computer. Okay, that's okay. I have a little picture, and if the camera can get really close, that's cool. But if she can get it to work, that's fine. Everybody relax. Okay, I don't know if the camera can get real close on this. I realize it's not very bright there. But here's the word chasten over time. I don't know if they could put that up there while they're working on it. So it's, this, is, this goes back all the way from the year 1800 all the way to 2010. So we're in 2017 now. It was very, very popular back way back then. And then about 1900, it began to fall off. If this was the stock market and you were invested, you'd be crying right now. <laughs> and people stopped using it and it became very unpopular to use the word chasing. <laughs> I mean, can I ask you a question? When's the last time? Oh, you see that? I don't think that you could see that. There's a chart. It's really, if you get really close, really close. Okay, so anyway, there you could focus it. Okay, it's very unpopular. In fact, when's the last time you, were chase, you read Chasing in the New York Times or, you know, or, or Good Housekeeping or Martha Stewart? No, you don't. You don't hear that. Why? It's just terribly unpopular. And yet, there are, there are other words that are equally unpopular, like admonish. You should see the curve. It's like real up like this for the 1800s, and then it's really low. It goes like way down here. How many of you know what admonish means? Well, sort of. It isn't what you thought. I mean, it certainly isn't what I thought. Listen to this. To give friendly earnest advice or encouragement, especially in a gentle, earnest manner. Wow. I always thought it was, oh, 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 thank you. Whom the Lord loves, he slaps and I'm going to admonish you. Okay. So let's look at reprove. So sometimes you act bad and this is to, um, you know, to reprove means to scold or correct, yeah, but it's gently, with kindly intent. I remember a precious saint of God, uh, Lauren Thompson, one of the, one of the uh, counselors here. He told me a story once uh, about when he, he was such a teacher's pet. Mm. I mean, he was just always cleaning the board, mm, and always sitting in the front and getting good grades. Mm, mm. But one day the devil got into him, I'm telling you right now. And he got a spitwad, and he was shooting spitwads at people. And then it got, the kid, got to the kids, and he, as he shares the story, to me, I don't know, he, he, he just said that he, the teacher called him after class, you're after class, and this is how the teacher corrected him, admonished him scolded him. Are you ready for this? Lauren, everybody's out of the classroom. Lauren, Lauren, look me in the eye. 
you didn't shoot those spit wads at those girls, did you? <laughs> yes, I did. He goes, oh, Lauren, I am so disappointed. You're better than that. Did she call him on it? What do you think happened to Lauren? That's correction or rebuke or whatever you want to call it with love. Are you hearing me, church? Now, if, if, if I could have, if I could show you the popularity of other words, unlike these, these are very unpopular. We're going to talk about some things today like words like, are you ready for this? Train. Training. Now, if they could put the uh, they could put the uh, slide up. What you would see is that it was used very, very little in the 1800s. There was a bump in in. Uh, oh, actually, that, that was coach. Let's let's go with coach, coach, coach. Yeah. It was used very, very little yeah. in the in the 1800s. But but when it got closer to the ninth, uh, like middle 1800s to the 19, all of a sudden there was a bump up of the use. Coach, now let's be real. This is not totally bulletproof scientific. So they might have meant a horse and buggy coach, you know. And then when they moved into the, is that it? The coach. Okay, that's chasing. Okay, so you see how unpopular that was over time. You got that? So let's go to the next word. I love this. Hey, thanks for getting it to work. This was my very first. This is admonish. How, how popular was it then and how much do you hear it? Not very much today. Let's go to the next word. This is reproof. Look at that. It, I think reproof is the all-time low. Look at, look at how low that is. You, do you read that in the newspaper? No. In fact, we, we want safe places from reproof. We don't want to be, don't tell me what to do. And please don't correct your children or else child protection will come and get you. Okay. But that's reproof. Let's go to the next. Let's go. To the, this, now, look, look at the popularity of the concept of coaching. Now, I'll, I'll give you this. Probably in the 1800s, that meant the horse and buggy that moved people around. But as you moved through a little bit, and it dipped, you see in the 19, probably that's about when the automobile was happening. And notice it dipped down a little bit. But something happened maybe in in 1930s or 40s. Who knows? Maybe they invented invented coach purses or something. (laughs) Oh, but, but no, no, I know what happened. Baseball happened. And all of a sudden, the concept of a coach yes. became commonplace. Yes. I mean, people were very concerned with who's going to coach the 49er. Who's going to coach the, you know, who's going to coach the, 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 yeah, the, pray for the 49ers. Who's going to coach the, the, the Raiders? Who, 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 who is Steve Kerr going to coach the, 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 uh, um, the Warriors? Thank you. I need a little help from the shouting. How's Bruce Bochy doing? All of a sudden, the the importance of everybody say coach came to the limelight. Why? Why? Because we understand. Look at it. Even took a spike. Look at it's probably going up even further, because the role of the coach has been acknowledged in industry, in sports, in business. And even in personal achievement, there is actually an international coaching federation. You can actually get certified in it. 
to coach people in all walks of life, from scientists to school teachers to athletes to actors. You, how about this? You even you get a life coach. Thank you, life coaches. You get coaching for your finances. You get co. Isn't that what Dave Ramsey helps us to do? Thank you. (laughs) Coaching, coaching. Let's go to the next word. Training. Look at it. It's off the charts. How many of you have a personal trainer? You go out to to the fitness and you get your training and you get your little... Okay, how many of you go to the gym? (laughs) One, two, three, four. Good, good, good. We got four. Well, hallelujah. Five. Thank you, Jesus. We got five. Six. Okay. Hallelujah. Come up and let's pray for you. We'll cast that workout spirit out of you. No, no actually, we'll have you pray for the rest of us. Training. Training. What does a trainer do? A trainer helps you to do what you can't do by yourself. An experienced individual that will assist you to look at the attributes that you have, to look at the giftings that you have, to help you to identify in yourself what limits you've placed on yourself. And to get in your face and tell you you're better than this. You could run faster. You could make more money. You could be more effective as a husband. You could be more effective as an executive. You could be a better writer. You could be a better actor. You could be a better director. Your photography could be better. Your production can increase. You are limiting yourself. I see something in you. And this relationship is established between the trainer and may I say it's trust. It's very closely related. Notice it's off the charts. We live in a generation where we we understand coach. We understand training. But we don't understand admonish and we don't understand reproof because we don't use those every day. But I'm here to tell you the scripture is full of things. And remember that that may seem to be unpopular. I bring you back to our... Uh, our uh, initial scripture, my son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he correcteth, even as the father, the son in whom he delighteth. Now, I'm not going to keep you here all day, but let me just insert a few words here. My son, despise not the coaching of the Lord. My son, despise not the training of the Lord. My son, despise not the instruction of the Lord. Don't be weary of his coaching. When he pushes you hard, it's for a purpose. I wish I had time, but I don't. So we're going to move right along. I just know this is a 50-part message or something crazy. So let's just, you all believe with me. If you were to tell me before I knew about some of these things that this is your favorite scripture, I would say you've got to be kidding. This cannot possibly be one of your favorite scriptures. 
Second Timothy chapter 3, 16 through 17. Every scripture is God-breathed, Amplified Bible, given by His inspiration and profitable for instruction, for reproof, unpopular, for conviction, unpopular, of sin, for correction, unpopular, of error, unpopular, and discipline, very unpopular, in obedience, you got to be kidding, and for training, well, that's okay, but you ruined it with the other part. In conformity, uh, that's not so good, to God's will and thought, purpose, and act. Can we go to Philippians 4.19 or something? <laughs> I mean, come on, be honest. How many of you said, oh, that's one of my favorite scriptures? Oh, I've got one person, one honest soul. Hallelujah. I feel like if when I read that scripture, I feel like I must be like the commercial. Thanks, I needed that. Oh, hit me again. I... But you see, that's not what God means when he's saying he's going to... I have an acrostic today. We're going we're gonna to talk about the word chastise if you're taking notes. And the word C, that we're going to go through. We're going to try to get through all these letters before I let you go or I won't hear the end of it, I'm sure. Phones will be ringing off the hook. I'll be so popular. So see for me, as I look into this and I've studied, trust me, for hours and hours, I did, there, was a, there was an article by a gentleman uh, that published something in a 1915 edition. His name is H.E. Jacobs, just take my word for it, on the, on the biblical analysis of ch- chastisement and chastening. And that's from, for the scholars out there, the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia that was published in 1915. And he goes to say that there is a distinction between uh, chastisement in chastisement, a distinction between instruction and punishment. And we must come to understand that. The reason why First, Second Timothy, whatever that was, is not and has not been my favorite scripture. It's like the DMV. You do everything you don't want to do. They make you wait in line a long time. Then you're waiting in the wrong line. Says, well, why didn't you tell me? Then you go in the other line for a long time. And then they make you take a lot of tests. Boy, does that, is that a bummer? They get, now they have electronic things, but they dirty your fingers. And then they test you again. And then they take your money. And if that isn't bad enough, you're always in a bad hair day. And they make you take a picture and it stays with you. Everything unpopular. It's horrible. And I used to work at the DMV. So. I did. I used to be. I used to work at the DM. Yeah. <laughs> but he. But this gentleman, H. E. Jacobs, talks about how how that when Christ, you know, uh, this is love, not not that we loved him, but that he loved us, right? And then he goes on to say how he made Christ the propitiation or the payment for all of our sins. Notice this, he says, since to them that are in Christ Jesus there is no condemnation, they can suffer no punishment. There's a difference between punishment and chastisement. Part two is punishment. If you want a spanking, come the next service. <laughs> (laughs) 
just kidding. As a believer, you don't get the spanking. The Lord don't spank you. I mean, really, punishment is reserved. Judgment, we are not under wrath. I wish I had time, but I don't. So we'll just keep it light. They suffer no punishment, only chastisement. Where there is guilt, there is punishment. But where guilt has been removed, there can be no punishment. There being no deg- And there are no degrees of justification. No one can be forgiven in part, but with a partial guilt still set to his account for which he must yet give a reckoning. In other words, boy, that's really awkward because it was 1915. But what he's saying is you, don't, you didn't become partially forgiven and you have to pay for and reckon for a little bit. You're completely forgiven, washed in the blood of Jesus. And can I tell you today and declare that the blood of Jesus is enough. It was enough, it is enough, and it will forever be enough for you. Whatever walk of life, whatever mistake you have made, the blood will never fail you of Jesus. Hallelujah. So he must not give a reckoning either here or in the hereafter. If then all righteousness of Christ belongs to him, then no sin whatsoever remains to be forgiven, either in whole or in part. In, that's the part, that's leaning on the scripture where Brother Hershey brought out where, and Christ, he's made Christ the propitiation for all of our sins. So let's skip over. What do you say we have a little fun today about chasing? I made this. How many of you want to get, the, get to that? Come on, PT, get to it. My first C is coach. Coach to train and to instruct. And I'm going to take a little time on this one because the relationship of a coach is vitally important and it's a lot easier to digest a coach, a really good one. First of all, they know what they're talking about. Okay? Secondly, they are compassionate and they love the talent that they're working, the kids or the, the athletes that they're working for. And there is a relationship with them. It is not one size fits all. And what I like so much about this model about coach is that the same way ooh, that a person receives private Lessons? You know, there's one thing to have a group class. Have you ever been to a group vocal class or a group piano class or a group whatever? But it, it's quite different when you have a personal coach and they are fully focused on you. They are looking at every detail of what you have and who you are in order to help draw out the gifts in you. And it's not some, somebody saying not generic. What I love about a coach, especially like when you go, those of you that, those four or five of you, God bless you, that go to the gym and you have a personal trainer. They'll say, how's it going? You know, like how much, how many reps were you able to do? How's that, how's that, you know, that leg doing or whatever, those uh, hamstring or whatever, you know, how's that, how's that working? Oh, it was pretty good. Okay, we'll work on that today. Okay, what else is going on? They're interested in you. Why? Because they are personal. 
And that's the one paradigm, if I get nothing else across today, that Jesus is and must be your personal Lord and Savior. Or can I say your personal coach? Generic coaching doesn't work. It doesn't work. You don't walk in to people all over the weight. They have all those weights and all the ellipticals and all that. Okay, class, now I want everybody to do this. That's not how Jesus works. He is your personal trainer. And there is a relationship there and it's based on trust. And he does everything that he can do to maximize your potential. In fact, many times the coach believes more in the athlete than the athlete does in themselves. And when the athlete performs less than what the coach knows he's capable of, he gets in his face and he says, you are better than that. I just sense something come up in my spirit. When you start gossiping about brother so-and-so or sister bucket mouth, the personal coach comes up and says, you are better than that. Shush. When you're feeling sorry for yourself, your personal coach says, Come on, get up and get on Hallelujah Hallway and start running up and down that hallway. Come on. Like, oh, Lord, I don't know if I can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Come on, come on, come on. That's it, that's it, that's it. Come on, come on, come on. This is not too much for you. Oh, I don't know if I can do it. You can. You can do it. Come on. Can you feel? Do you see the picture? This is a picture of commitment, trust, and love. Not one of legality. That's why all those other definitions, they don't work. When the Lord chastises me, he's not trying to crush me and smash me and take me down several pegs. He's trying to lift me up. Can you all see that? Hallelujah. Just glad everybody's here. Or did you go home already? Hallelujah. Keep chewing. God's good. Nobody's going to choke here. You can chew. You could do it. You could do it. C stands for what? Coach. And I, and I, I, and I dare say he knows you. If, you. if you're not sure if he knows you, go to Psalm 139 one day and read that. It says, you know my down sitting. You know my uprising. You know a thought before it ever comes out. You know what the real victory is? Come on, friends. I, I'm reminded of people that are plastic and they come into place churches and and like in the in the front of the book of changes that heal the author says you know it's interesting to compare a church and an aa meeting it says you know in an aa meeting people walk in saying i'm messed up but they are they're honest and then they're honest with each other and then they get better and they leave that meeting better but he says you know in many churches Many times people walk in saying, problems, I don't have any problems, I have it together. And they come in one way, but they leave worse. So one of them leaves better. And why is it? Because, you know, the Bible talks about having a good and honest heart. 
Well, you know what? I love, didn't it melt your heart? You almost felt like crying with him. Brother Hershey last week, when he, when he says, like, I don't know how to love God. What, you, you, I've been doing this, trying to do this for a long time. What? You want me? I, I failed at loving you, God. How many of you heard that last week? Can I just share something with you? Let's just continue taking the pressure off and understand that God is your personal coach and He is for you. Hallelujah. And if, I wonder if we're going to just stop there. No, we got the H's to do. Oh, there's so much I want to tell about coaching. I'll tell stories afterward if we have time. Okay, so H, help. Whenever I think of, of, of being... Uh, the Lord chastising me, I think of help. Your heavenly Father is always trying to help you. Isaiah 41.10 Fear thou not, I am with thee. Be not dismayed. I am your God. Better yet, I'm your Father. I will strengthen you. I will help you. Somebody say help. I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. Whenever I think of the word, uh, of the letter A... The thought that came to mind was add. Your personal coach is not trying, or your personal savior is not trying to take stuff away from you. His correction is trying to, he always adds value to you. He always helps you to get in a better place. Is it always comfortable? Somebody say no. I'm reminded of the story of that one coach that was earlier in my notes where he said, I would work my teams really hard. I would run them hard till they were exhausted, almost till they were mad, almost, I'd say. But he said, when game time came, they would do the plays and they would still have gas in the tank and be ready to go and give it some more, but the game's over and they already won and the other team would be exhausted. So you... Your tra- that's what your training does. That's what your trainer does. He's trying to train you and prepare you for what lies ahead. And can I say bigger things that you ever dreamed possible? Yes. Hallelujah. So he's there to add to you. When he makes you drop and give me a hundred. Oh, 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 oh my God. Oh. Stop it. Give me 50 more. Psalms chapter 3. My son, this is in the King James, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. Uh, Unpopular. My commandments. For, listen, length of days, long life, and peace shall they add unto you. The S to me speaks of strengthen. Again, we read something in Isaiah 41. I'm going to read that in the Amplified. Fear thou not, there's nothing to fear. You see, perfect love, what does it do? When you have a coach that believes in you. I don't know, how many of you ever played sports or, or, or took lessons or something? And you had not a, not a general class thing, but you, they, they, you had some one-on-one time with that coach that would be in your face and say, okay, you need to lift up your stride a little more this way. Or even golf lessons, Lord help us, golf is crazy. <laughs> you need to keep your shoulder up, keep it down, keep it up, down, down. I don't know. I'll just play Nintendo golf or something because I'm kind of an electronic kind of guy. You know what I mean? (laughs) 
Fear not. Fear. I am, for I am with you. Don't look around you in terror and be dismayed. You don't have to look out for yourself. You've got someone watching your back, helping you. I will strengthen and harden you to difficulties. Yes, I will help you. Notice that says strengthen you to difficulties. Can I just say, can I be honest about it? Yeah, I know we're a faith church, but you know some things in life, can I be honest about it? They're hard. For a natural man. But when you have grace on your life, you'll look back and say, wow, how did I ever do that? (laughs) God helps you do things that are just amazing. That's where I can do all things. You could get that favorite scripture out now. everybody. I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me, who infuses inner strength in me, making me equal to anything and everything that comes. Oh, I like scriptures like that. How about you? And now, we already talked about training. God, your train. T would be for training. We already talked about strengthen. Trainer. All right. Here's I. We're almost to the end here. I is instruct. Not a very popular curve here. If you had it, it goes, you saw it. It was pretty, pretty weak. But you see, not very many people really want to be instructed. But can I be honest about it? I think we would be more apt to be instructed if we really believed that the person speaking to us really cared about us. Have you ever heard the saying, I would be more apt to listen to what you have to say if I knew you cared about me? Is that right or is that right? So, as a child of God, He's trying to put across information to you, help you with detail, inform you of some things, impart knowledge, persuade you, and even admonish, which we found out admonish is not a dirty word. It's really quite amazing. It's too bad we don't use it more often. And then to direct. So anyway, instruct. Listen to this one. I really like this one. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 20 through 23 in the Living Bible, TLB. Don't know if we have it up there, but listen to what this says. Young man, obey your father and your mother. Take to heart all their advice. Keep in mind everything they tell you. Every day and all night long, their counsel will lead you and save you from harm. When you wake up in the morning, let their instructions guide you into the new day. For their advice is a beam of light directed into the dark corners of your mind to warn you of danger and to give you a good life. Isn't that precious? I mean, what, what a picture. And you, you heard all those things about warn and, well, you know, some of those words that we thought were like not very popular, right? So, anyway, so we're worth the chastise, so that's instruct. S, another S comes up for support. And that is to bear all or part of the weight to hold up. I like Hebrews chapter 13, 5b. And lest you thought that life is too hard, and yes, I'm about to finish, lest you thought that this message is too long. (laughs) Just saying. Notice what it says here. He himself has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, or how about this, nor give up on you. Your personal coach, your father will not give up on you, will not leave you without support. I will not. 
I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless. There's nothing that you will come up against in life that will flatten you. I'm going to be there and make sure that never happens. You'll never be helpless, nor, nor will I forsake you or let you down. I'm not going to let you down. I'm not going to relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. That's such good news. That helps me. Helps me sleep at night. Anybody else? We're going to finish with encourage. E. Encourage. To give advice to someone so that they will do or continue doing something. Really to, to help build confidence. And to this I will say thank God for the people in this church. Thank God for our pastors that say never give up. Thank God for dear, dear, dear friends and examples of, of inspiration of encouragement that motivated us throughout the years, stirred us up, spurred us on, fired us up, stimulated, invigorated us, uh, emboldened us. I hear his voice today, my dear friend, Dad Lasak, as he would say, there's a winner. There's a winner. When he would greet me. Friends, that's your Heavenly Father speaking to you. And if you get nothing else from today, just remember, he's saying you are a winner. And if you'll just show up to the session, I'll be there to train you. I'll be there to support you. And sometimes I understand it's just going to be one little step that's a little bit too steep for you. And you're going to think, I can't. I can't do it. I can't ride that bike. I can't face that situation. I can't do it. I can't. And I'll be there to help you to say, you can do it. Go ahead. I'm right here. If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good things to those that ask him. Yes. Selah. Hallelujah. Jeremiah 29, 11. In the Amplified. For I know the thoughts. This is God, your Father, speaking directly to you. For I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Thoughts and plans for welfare and peace and not for evil. To give you hope in your final outcome. NIV says, plans to prosper you and not harm you. He's not going to hurt you. You can trust Him. Plans to give you hope and a future. In closing, let me read our text once again, Proverbs 3, 11 through 14. And this time in the NIV, my son, don't despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent His rebuke because the Lord disciplines those He loves as a father, the son he delights. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. To this, Lord, we say we're sorry, those of us that have held you at arm's length. We didn't know. We didn't know that you were really that committed to us. We didn't know that when we're running around the bases, it's you saying, come on, all the way, all the way. We didn't know that was you. We somehow thought that was for somebody else. But today I thank you. We ask you 
to continue revealing yourself to us. Now, Father, I pray for an infusion of courage in the hearts of these, your sons and daughters. And may they trust you in their everyday walk because these are extraordinary sons and daughters. And they take after an extraordinary father. Lord, lift them up beyond the ordinary and help them go farther than they ever dreamed. I know you know how to do it. And in Jesus' name, we thank you that you help them to walk out. You're there to encourage them. Son, daughter, go ahead, step out and step on that spirit of depression. You can, you can do this. You could, you could step on, put your foot on that hurt. Put it under your feet. I don't know, I don't know. You can do this. You can do this. That's it, that's it, that's it. Lord, I, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I could love these people. You can do this. Lord, I don't know if I could do that job. You can do all things. You can do it. I'm right there. Help them, Lord, take the first step. And we know that your grace is sufficient for us. Extraordinary time. Extraordinary God. Extraordinary relationship. Our personal Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, if there's anyone within the sound of my voice that maybe you haven't received Jesus Christ as your Lord, how appropriate to say, how about receiving Jesus as your personal coach today, your personal trainer, your personal Savior. Lift your hand, I'll pray with you. Anyone at all, anyone at all want to receive Jesus Christ. And how about this? How about, I will take a step further in allowing God to train me, allow God to coach me. How many can say that? I'm going to let God do it. Let Him do it. Hallelujah. Amen. Was that good today? Good enough? Hallelujah. It's not about generics. God did not come in a yellow label with aerial font saying green beans or government cheese. He is the Lord of glory and yet what manner of love the Father has for you. You are all so precious. You really are. And I trust you've been blessed. Let me pray for you before we go. Lord, I bless your people. I thank you, Father, that you help them in every dimension of their life. In all their ways, may they acknowledge you now more than ever. We've got a job to do. We've got people to love on. We've got people to help reach with your love. Thank you, Lord, for victory. Victory over sin. Victory, victory, victory. Help them to see that some of those patterns and some of those conditions, they're above that. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Let the light of your glory flow through us this week as we minister the life of God. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. God bless you. If you want prayer, we'll be up here. You want prayer for healing, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Or even if you want to shake our hand, hallelujah, we'll take a handshake. God bless you all. We love you. Remember, we have a service tonight at...
6.30.